welcome back to the DC Beer Show. We took a little election break, but I'm Jacob Berg from DCBeer.com. And I'm here as always with Mike Stein and Brandy Holder. Mike, say hello. Hello out there in Beery Beerland. We're so happy to be back with you. Oh. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Brandy's here. I'm glad to be back, y'all. I'm sorry. I've, I've been not myself, but I'm back in, you know, bearing my life up now. Yay. You Cheers. You made it. Thank yeah, you for joining it. us. <laughs> Cheers. And so before we start the show, just a reminder to follow us on the gram, the Twits, Facebook, and Discord. That's at DC Beer. And today we're going to talk about, timely enough, civics, a new president, but also new board members on the Brewers Association, discussing the Michael Jackson Foundation for Brewing and Distilling, and some brewery shuffles with some brewers in the area, so moving around, leaving one brewery, going to the other. But before we jump into those sorts of things, what are you drinking, Mike? Good question. I'm just finishing Caribbean Chaser, an Imperial Fruit Saison from Elder Pine Brewing Company. As we mentioned last episode, Elder Pine out of uh, Gaithersburg, Maryland, is now delivering to the district. And they dropped off this wonderful Saison. It's an ale brewed with pineapple, caruba, and naranilla. It's also 10% alcohol by volume. So I finished that, and I'm moving on to Graveyard Train by Blue Jacket, which is a 4.4% English-style golden ale. It is certainly the most juicy English-style golden ale I've ever had, but I am not mad at it. It's a collaborative beer with uh, Blue Jacket's friends from Fine Ales. Fine Ales is out of Scotland, and it's very sort of completing the circle because a Scottish brewer was uh, DC's first commercial brewery was a brewer who emigrated from Scotland. His name was Andrew Wales, and his brewery was actually in Alexandria. So it's a big full circle tilt where a DC brewery is working with the Scottish brewery to make this beer. Brandy, what are you drinking? So shout out to my date yesterday for bringing me Funyuns and beer from a brewery that I haven't been to, which is very exciting, called Audacious Aleworks, and I've heard about it. Mm. I just haven't had any of their things. So right now I'm drinking Thirsty Work IPA. And, you know, because I honestly haven't been up to date and, you know, heard much about Audacious, I, you know, went into it with a very open mind. As you know, you should all things, really. But let me tell you, I'm pretty impressed with it. There's not any information on the can itself. I mean, it's 6.9. Nice. It is, it's easy drinking. It doesn't taste like it's 6.9, if that makes any sense, but it leaves a really good taste in my mouth. And uh, it's juicy, but not hazy. And it has a nice flavor to it. It's really good. I'm impressed. So I, I'm shout out to Audacious for, for Thirsty Work IPA. And to come full circle, I am drinking the Port City's Colossal Nine. It's a Weizenbach, and it's their second take on that. The first one was supposed to come out, which is Colossal's Come Out, once a year, every winter or so, January, February. And the first iteration of it did not pass muster with the powers that be at Port City. And so they dumped it all down the drain, which is a bummer. Um, but then they thought about solving that problem. They brewed it again. Um, Weizenbach is a high gravity wheat and dark malt lager. And it's fermented with a Hefeweizen strain. So it's got bananas, cloves. Think of it kind of sort of like liquid banana bread. 
it's hitting spot. Brandy's making a face because she's I not. I love banana bread, yeah. but yeah, liquid but banana. banana bread. I don't know. I need to chew it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll really start the show with um, I told you so, because we mentioned this in one of our early October episodes that when Other Half opened, they were probably going to take some local area brewery staff with them. And so they've Other Half has hired Will Davis from Right Proper. And they hired someone else who I believe is Justin, but I haven't confirmed it. Poached. Did you say poached or over easy? Very <laughs> careful to say the Friday. word hired. <laughs> DCbeer.com and the DC Beer Show is very pro labor and that we all sell our labor out on the market. There uh-huh. is no such thing as poaching. There's uh-huh. o- only workers getting paid more Fair. to make uh-huh. beer. I, I support that. I am massively promiscuous. If you are an editor listening hey. right now, my apologies for not filing. <laughs> I owe like seven editors, seven pieces, but the election week was just bananas. So I love you editors. Please keep hiring me. You know, if you are in charge of hiring laborers, keep on employing. That is all. Shout out to Barrett at Right Proper, um, who yes. took this job at Director of Brewing Operations at Right Proper over the summer. And now all of a sudden is down his head brewer at the Shaw Brew Pub and also mm-hmm. potentially the brewery staff over at um, Brookland where they have a fancy new canning line. So that's a bummer. Hang in there, Barrett. And the other brewery on the move is Eric McGowan. Who helped- Eric. Yeah. yeah. Woo, at Red I know Bear. Eric. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, we all know Eric. I was lucky enough to take a little mini trip with Simon and Eric when we went to Boston because they Red Bear and Night Shift did a collaboration because Eric used to work at Night Shift. He used to be one of the head brewers there. And mm-hmm. so now he is over at Aslan. So, mm-hmm. but shout out to Alejandro at Red Bear for taking the head brewer position. Yep. So, hey, boo, but Eric went to Aslan. Hey, Eric, love you. But you know, I'm happy for him. Every everyone's happy for him. Yeah. And Simon and they're like, "Hey, good for yeah. him." So, so yeah. the tr- the trend here is that if you make super hazy IPAs, ridiculous like high ABV pastry stouts, lactose berry crunchy J dream fruited sour things, <laughs> that's who's taking your brewers away. Yeah. So there you go. Blame yeah. blame it on the haze. Yeah, the haze craze. Blame it on the pastryarchy. The pastryarchy. What a great word. (laughs) All right. Speaking of pastryarchy and and smashing the pastryarchy, I just have to say that the Michael Jackson Foundation, and we should say this is Michael Jackson, the, uh, the poet bard of beer, not Michael Jackson, the king of pop. So Michael Jackson, the British beer writer, uh, was a wonderful advocate for diversity and inclusion for representing underrepresented voices. And now there's the Michael Jackson Foundation, most visually supported by Garrett Oliver of Brooklyn Brewery. But they have appointed new board members and there are some superstars on the Michael Jackson Foundation board. So we have to give a shout out to the executive director of the Chicago Brewseums, Liz Garibay. Liz is a good friend. Woohoo! Liz has been on the show before, actually. Last spring, she was in town, and Liz uh, joined us on the DC Beer Pod. 
Uh, full disclosure, I am a member of the League of Historians at the Chicago Museum, so no. I am, yeah, believe it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but also, Moss loggers never. Can you believe it? The other person I wanted to mention who is also on the Michael Jackson Foundation board is other half's brewer Breeze Galindo, who helped set up Other Half in DC. She's currently crushing it in Brooklyn, I do believe. And then amongst others on the board, we have Dr. J. Nicole Jackson Beckham, who's the founder of Craft Beer for All, which of course is a platform that works to bring diversity of craft beer for people and the diversity mm -hmm. of people to craft beer. Whoop-de-woo! She is also the Brewers Association's diversity ambassador. And we're just so pleased to see Liz and Breeze and Dr. J all doing their thing you know, with this exciting new initiative that's coming down, they're board members, they're already on boards, they're taking on more board ownership, and we just love it. We love to see it. So shout out to the Michael Jackson Foundation, to Dr. J, to Liz and Breeze. That was wonderful. But Liz, Breeze, and Dr. J needs to be some sort of group, singing group, or that's rap gotta group. That's got to be... Also, the name Breeze Galindo. Yeah. Can I just respect. be friends with that person? Because I don't know you this can. person, but oh my God. Can I rename myself from Brandy to Breeze? Why not? That shit is fire. You got to check with her first. Check myself before I wreck myself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. I will. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> I, I messaged her and said, do you prefer uh, Breeze Galindo or Breeze Coral Galindo? Because I had seen both sorted online and she said, either is fine. But literally, she came into town, set up Other Half DC, and then went back to go make killer beers at Other Half in Brooklyn. I um, love her. So you're just professional <laughs> AF, right? Like all around. Yeah. And so we know that these folks are going to do some massive things with the MJF, the Michael Jackson Foundation. And uh, we're so here for it. You know, yeah. we stand, we support. So based on that, I'm going to seamlessly transition to talk about the Bruce Association and a different board the Brewers Association Board of Directors, because not only did we have a presidential election, but also a BA board election. And Marcus Baskerville of Weather Souls, which is a brewery in Texas, he's behind the Black is Beautiful movement that we've seen so many independent local area breweries making a Black is Beautiful beer. Marcus Baskerville of Weather Souls out of Texas, he is a BA board member. We also have locals on the board, Leah Cheston from Right Proper has another year and a half or so. Melissa Romano from Blake Ann Brewhouse, which is a, a smallish outfit. I believe it is in Fairfax County, Mike. You have worked with it them before. It is. I have. Big shout out to Melissa uh, Romano at Lake Ann Brewhouse in Fairfax County, Virginia. Yeah. She's on the board until 2023. And Julie Verratti from Denizens, friend Julie. of the show, whoop, friend whoop. of the site. She is Girl. on the board up until February of 2021. Yes. But I really want to shout out, again, Marcus Baskerville of Weathered Souls and Black is Beautiful. I'm going to call on Brandy here because I think of the three of us on the show, Brandy, you've had the most of the Black is Beautiful beers out of all of us. I think you have a Black is Beautiful beer mug right now. Aren't you drinking I... out of... Uh, actually, I Look am. Look at that. Uh, what a coinkadink. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so my friend Richard, who owns Rocket Frog, brought this for me during one of his beer liveries. I thoroughly enjoy this little tulip glass. I have had the Black is Beautiful from Three Stars, Rocket Frog, obviously, Silver Branch, 
and Red Bear. I feel like I've had one or two others, but my brain doesn't, you know, grasp all the things that I've had sometimes. But yeah, so as far as I know, and 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 Mike and Jake and I kind of discussed this right before we got on, but I think the only two that I have personally had that are, that are still on draft, um, you can get the Black is Beautiful at the three star at three stars in Crowler form, and then Black is Beautiful, which is barrel aged at Red Bear, um, which is also a veteran-owned brewery. Oh yeah, which we need to shout out for tomorrow, Veterans Day. That's right. There are many local breweries who are veteran-owned that are veteran-owned, mm-hmm. and uh, Red Bear is one of them. Shout out to Brian and Cameron. No, it's so important to notice who our brewers and brewery owners are. So, tie into history is that uh, John Fitzgerald, who was like the third or fourth brewery owner in D.C., was actually aide de camp to George Washington. So we've actually had veteran brewery owners in D.C. since the 18th century, since like the 1700s. I did not know that. Thank yeah, you, Mike. How about that? John That's pretty cool. Knowledge is power. Boom. Like Kumo cool said. <laughs> like Kumo cool in the words of Kumo cool And then, of course, you know, we've had black brewers in D.C. since also the 18th century, which is really important to note because, you know, we want to support black owned breweries. Shout out to Soul Mega, who have been on the podcast before, and Sankofa. Mm-hmm. Sankofa also had a Black is Beautiful beer. I think they win for selling their Black is Beautiful. They had a dark lager with coffee, the fastest out of anybody else who produced one. Mm-hmm. But that being said, uh, Black is Beautiful proceeds are going to ACLU, uh, to funds to fight police brutality. So three stars, go grab a crowler from three stars, Red Bear, get it on draft at Red Bear. You know, they've got some Black is Beautiful aging in a barrel, buy some barrel aged Black is Beautiful when it comes out and just go support local. Yeah. And as a late entry into Black is Beautiful, um, Patunxet Brewing Company, Mm. also Black owns um, down in Southern Maryland, I believe Charles County, like La Plata-ish, Waldorf-ish. I've never they, been there. Yeah, I have not been there either, mm. but I've been right past them because they're on Maryland 5, out Branch Ave. They've got their Black is Beautiful in cans and on tap now as well. But in the interest of full disclosure, we want to shout out the other veteran-owned, veteran-operated breweries, Valor, Heritage, Fairwinds, Manor Hill. Thank you all. We're recording this on Tuesday, Veterans Day Eve. Thank you for your service. Please go out there and support Black-owned, Black-operated breweries, veteran-owned, veteran-operated breweries, and POC. Minorities, people of color, women. Yep. Yeah, oh, oh, just, yeah. <laughs> Support yeah. it all. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I'm going to quickly transition into actual weird beer news. Mm. And that is DC breweries can evidently, unbeknownst to me, ship beer out of state we know this because atlas is now shipping like in the mail to pennsylvania and virginia so when did this happen because i know when i used to work at the distillery we would get emails constantly saying hey i live in new york or hey i live in california can you mail can you ship this to me we're like no but schneider's can or such and such can Mm. we would always send the same people so because of all the restrictions but also with the new you know with things being 
lifted, you know, we're kind of like New Orleans now. You can get beer to go um, <laughs> and cocktails to go. What you do with it is beer on you. But um, right. if <laughs> how long has that been going on and will it continue? Hopefully it will after the pandemic, because, you know, if we can get and by we, I mean, we as in the beer collection, get our beer, DC beer elsewhere, then that's great. Yeah. I mean, I feel like starting in maybe April or so, dcbeer.com, and you can look this up over on the site, shameless plug, we've got this running list going of breweries from Oregon or Virginia or Ohio or New York, and they'll ship beer into the district. But there wasn't any reciprocity up until about a week ago when Atlas popped up and said, hey, Virginia, hey, Pennsylvania, we'll sell you beer. And so it'll be interesting to see if other D.C. area breweries cough, cough, D.C. brow because they're not, <laughs> their tap room is not open. And so everything is pretty much going into package to see if shipping out of state is another revenue source, is an avenue. Obviously, you know, craft beer independent beer consumers are a promiscuous bunch. Mm-hmm. You know, we all buy a whole bunch of two hearted, um, but then, you know, like we dabble in this and that. And so maybe there's, there's gold in them there out of state Hills for God, DC breweries. Beer drinkers. They just drink it all whenever they want all the time. What is wrong with them? They are so promiscuous. I know it's like, this is like a 1940s, like reefer madness style, like moral <laughs> panic. When will you all stop drinking all these different beers, kids, these days? Well, I have to say that I had seen some Blue Jacket beers. So Blue Jacket in Southeast and Navy Yard in D.C. had actually had some beer. I think it was on draft in North Carolina in like Chapel Hill or Carborough. Yeah, it was years ago when I saw a keg either at the library or another sort of like better beer bar in Chapel Hill. And I was just like, what is this D.C. beer doing in North Carolina? And I never quite followed up. But if you know anything about Blue Jacket or, you know, Greg Angert, who Brandy interviewed uh, two episodes ago, you know that they sell a lot of beer through Blue Jacket, but then also through Church Key. And now that Church Key Beer Shop is open online, we're seeing all kinds of rules and restrictions dropped um, beer to your doorstep. Right. And I think back in March, we were joking like, oh, maybe we can get Cantillon, you know, the, the famous Brussels uh, Belgian beer delivered to our door. And then sure enough, a few weeks ago during October and then even earlier in July, I think it was, it was like Cantillon for sale on Church Key Beer Shop. And so it's very interesting to see this kind of stalwart of the American beer scene just being shipped to your door. Yeah. I mean, so we've talked about D.C. beer going out of state. Let's talk about Cantillon coming in. Because the Shelton brothers, the famous triumvirate of Western Massachusetts brothers, Shelton brothers importing looks like they're about to close. They're the ones who bring in the Cantillon, and a fair amount of it goes to NRG, Neighborhood Restaurant Group, Greg Anger, mm-hmm. the Church Keep Your Shop and such. Who is going to sell me Cantillon? What's going to happen <laughs> to my Cantillon, Dre Fontaine? a whole bunch of others if Shelton Brothers importers goes away. And perhaps most importantly, what's going to happen to my Timothy Taylor landlord? 
which is a sub 4% whole hopped English pale ale that is just fucking phenomenal. And no U.S. brewer seems to be able to do anything like it. Why? Why? Well, I, I can tell you right now, we know that Motor Lambic, which is a beer bar in Brussels, Belgium, is selling off some of their Cantillon selection in their cellars. And the bottles are going, I guess they have the sort of blessing from Cantillon. So if you know about Cantillon, they don't like to let their beer just roam freely around the world. They have these secondary and tertiary markets where people can just jack up the price, right? It, it should... It's a fantastic product. It should go for a fair price. But Motor Lambic has some bottles that a few days ago were bidding at like four, six hundred, seven hundred dollars for you know twenty five ounces of beer. And some of these are extremely rare bottles. But it's interesting to see that kind of uh, uh, coveting and then you know market going on for these bottles. And so we'll see. Yeah. So we've seen counterfeiting in the whiskey world with Pappy. In the wine world, with a whole bunch of you know boutique high-end French houses, for lack of a better term, the only real um, counterfeiting going on in beer has been Cantillon. That's how coveted um, the Goose and the Lambic are, and so I think Shel- the Shelton Brothers Shakeout, who picks up a lot of these Belgian, German, Czech, British brands, and how will they get to the States? Will they still get to the States? Um, will we see Be United do a bit more, which would, of course, mean cans of some things. That would be nice. But we also want to acknowledge and shout out thank you to the Shelton Brothers for your many, many years of service. The story is in the 90s, like nobody wanted this gross sour beer. And then all of a sudden, 10, 15 years later, as you can see from the motor lambic seller list, um, people are going to pay thousands of dollars for some of them. They're trendsetters. They are. They were way ahead. They were, they were absolutely ahead of the game. I hope there's still a spot for them in the game. Yeah. I don't think beer is ever going to go out of style. I no, mean, it's going to rotate, but, you know, it's been, it's been around for a long time. Yeah. I don't think it's going anywhere. These things go in cycles. <laughs> yes, exactly. Things do go in cycles. The one thing that's always in style is good service. And in today's day and age, that means good protocols, having good, uh, uh, you know, security practices. Uh, Brandy, have you seen any solid practices around town? I know you haven't been, you know, hitting hitting the pubs, hitting the bars the way you used to. But um, what are you seeing out there? Where, where have you been and where are you going? Yeah. I will say uh, before COVID, I was going out probably too much. Since I haven't really been going out much, the last week I have been going out. I am going back out into the world, going on dates, which is scary, but I've been to Hook Hall twice. And I say, I emphasize twice because after the first time I was like, this is great. And I had never been to Hook (laughs) Hall before, which is really sad, but the first time, it was very flowery and cabanas and very inviting and lovely. And it wasn't very busy, but went back again last Friday on another date and Viking theme, very fun, good beer list. They were kind of slammed last Friday, but even with being slammed, I will say this, I was so far away from anybody else. It was just me and my date. And then we can even sit across from each other. So I felt really safe. They were, they were adhering to protocols and, you know, they're probably, they're 
I have been to a couple places where I feel safe, but there probably were little things here and there that I would change. But I'm going to Hysteria Brewery for the first time on Sunday, which I'm really excited, venturing out in the world. And before I went, I, I sent them a message on social media, on Facebook. I said, hey, I'm pumped about visiting. How are your COVID precautions and heated outdoor seating? Do I need to make a reservation? And usually places take a little bit to take respond back, but I got a message back within probably five minutes. And they said, awesome. We're so pumped that you're visiting. This weekend is Pandiversary, which I'm. that's great that I'm. that's the thing. But they're also staying very strict with COVID and making time slots and and you have to make reservations. And so I'm excited about going. I'm gonna, I'll report back next week. But I, I will say with all of this and people being scared, me reaching out to a brewery to, to ease my worries and tension about something that I'm, I'm excited about, but also worried and nervous about, them responding so quickly and saying, hey, it's going to be busy for us because it is a celebration, but we are being very strict and, you know, make making reservations. And I felt, A, the response is great. So I think it's great for, for breweries to try to stay focused and, and being inviting. But I feel, I feel better about going out more. And, and I do think that the places that I've gone, I feel pretty good, safe. So yeah, cheers to everybody for, for, keeping it going yeah, yeah despite yeah. the fatigue <laughs> yeah the weather is still good um please oh, please yeah. do continue to go outside patronize these spots give them your money again be like brandy you have comments questions concerns ask yes the name of the game whether it's COVID or not is still hospitality mm-hmm. that shit is really important it matters to us it also matters to the owners and the operators and the staff and the workers ask questions if you have them state your yes. concerns you will most likely get a reply yes all right and on that note i think we're going to wrap it up here and say goodbye thank you for indulging us the two-week election break it is good to be back <laughs> miss uh, you guys yes. yes and on that note we will see you all and on that note cheers bye buddy. bye